Life with diabetes has some highs and lows, but just like in a normal life, you can make choices which help to make your life easier, improve your health and well-being. In the Diabetic and Healthy podcast, we show you how to do just that. We're here to help you put your diabetes worries behind so that you can start enjoying life with a sky-high smile on your face. So let's meet our host for today's show. Here's Charlotte. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Diabetic and Healthy podcast. In this episode, I'm talking to Izzy. For those of you who haven't heard um, previous episodes with Izzy, she is one of the Diabetic and Healthy team, and she's a specialist diabetes dietitian. So today we're discussing a really important subject, which is eating disorders and diabetes. We're specifically going to be looking um, in detail at diabulimia. So in this episode, we cover exactly what diabulimia is, what you can do if you believe that you may have or may be developing an eating disorder, signs to look out for in others, and how you may be able to help someone who is struggling with food and diabetes, and also how you are not alone. And you may be surprised at exactly how many people with diabetes struggle with or have struggled in the past with eating disorders. Hi, Izzy. Hi, Charlotte. Nice to see you. And you. Um, So today we're going to talk about diabetes and eating disorders because it's come up quite a bit in the Facebook group. Um, Just recently, a couple of people have mentioned about diabulimia. Um, Once one person mentioned it, a couple of other people kind of popped up and said, do you know what? I think I might be suffering with this. Um, And then some other people popped up saying, I've got no idea what this is. So I thought a good one to talk about. Yeah, Um, I had someone ask me about it just today as well. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So did you want to um, explain a bit more about exactly what it is and where the term comes from? Okay, sure. So diabulimia is not actually a medical diagnosis. It's a descriptive word that people have come up with over time to describe eating disorders that relate to type 1 diabetes. So diabulimia means that someone with diabetes is deliberately omitting or skipping their insulin for the specific reason of weight loss. Okay. Um, so I guess when it, when it then gets the label of diabulimia, that's when it's a consistent thing. It's not like they've, they've done it on occasion because I was looking at some statistics that says um, four out of 10 women with type one between the ages of 15 and 30 have um, uh, injected less insulin or skipped doses in, in an aim to lose weight. Yeah, so like you say, that that's actually quite common that that mm. happens occasionally. Yeah, diabulimia is when it happens consistently and as a result, someone runs their blood glucose levels dangerously high in order to achieve that weight loss. Okay, I should also period. mention it does state one in 10 men. So it, this isn't just just women that are doing this. Uh, um, not as many men seem to be doing this, but it is still being used um i suppose as a weight loss aid yeah um 
so what's your experience of it have you come across it much with with the people that you speak to or yeah so um i've worked with a few a small number of people who've had diabulimia but i've also through my work gone to some conferences and talks and heard from people who had or have diabulimia um so i've heard their stories which has been incredibly useful and i've read about it as well so mm. um i've had some direct experience but also some learning experience too yeah yeah um what was really nice to see is uh when it was mentioned in the group um Gemma who has featured on some of the podcasts um she popped up and gave a really really honest um and helpful kind of review of what's um you know what's happened in her life and she's very open and honest about the fact that she suffered from this for for years although it didn't ha have a name at that time um looking back she can see that's that's what she was doing um but she's out the other side of it now you know to, so, something clicked and she's made loads of really positive changes now yeah um, and that's fantastic and being able to feel you've got someone to relate to and someone to talk to mm -hmm. is often the first step because um diabulimia comes from usually not always everyone is different, but it comes from a place where the fear of gaining weight starts to outweigh the rational consequences that you know will come from your health for those from the high blood glucose levels. So usually someone with diabetes knows that they need insulin in order to survive. And that is the priority most of the time not always yeah. <laughs> because life is life is different and never no one day is the same but it's enough of a priority in their life that they will inject insulin in order to survive uh, for people with diabulimia the weight loss becomes the priority and it becomes so much of a priority that taking insulin becomes a negative for them and actually it's something that they will purposefully not do knowing the consequences. It's not that people with diabulimia don't realize that they need to take insulin. Um, they understand, but their priorities have shifted and that fear of gaining weight or the need to lose weight becomes their absolute top priority when it comes to their health and all other health aspects will tend to take a back seat. And where do you think, I mean, I've got my, my own ideas, we've probably got similar ideas, but where do you think this pressure is coming from that that we have to be slimmer or that we have to be skinny yeah or... well there there is that aspect definitely so there's the social pressure in our society at the moment um and i have to say as someone who's a dietitian people expect me to be wanting everyone to be slim and to lose weight if they're overweight and it's just simply not the case um there's not a perfect weight um but certainly in our society at the moment there is a pressure um being overweight has negative connotations um people feel judged people feel that they people think about them a certain way and society does discriminate in some ways against people who are overweight so there is a pressure um and all the social media and what people see um and a lot of it is pressure that people put on themselves as well what they think they should be doing um there's a lot of um information out there that does push people towards feeling that they should be skinny and then there's also the feedback as well um because of that social pressure that we're all subject to when someone loses weight particularly if they've been overweight before people will congratulate them people will yeah. say oh you've lost weight well done they don't check whether that was on purpose and if it yeah. wasn't on purpose and someone's lost weight because 
they have had their blood glucose levels running high, maybe accidentally, maybe they're not diabolemic at that point in time, but for whatever reason, their bloods have been running high and they've lost some weight. And then all of a sudden people start saying, oh, you look, you've lost weight, well done. Yeah. And they think, well, I haven't, I haven't dieted. I haven't had yeah. to diet because that's the thing with diabolemia is you can eat whatever you like. Mm. Because it's that your body's not functioning properly, your body's not using that food, so you don't have to change what you're eating. So that positive feedback, some, that can sometimes trigger people into thinking, oh, well, this is something that can continue. Maybe someone who has been bullied in the past because of their weight, and then, so the weight was a very negative, got very negative responses, all of a sudden it's getting positive, positive responses. Yeah. Absolutely. And then what I was saying there, um, links in as well to some of the other drivers that can be behind diabolemia which relates to diabetes mm -hmm. in that if you have diabolemia you don't have to restrict what you're eating anymore um not that people with diabetes should be restricting what they're eating but traditionally yeah, that but you is have what to be very mindful absolutely that's yeah. a better way of putting it you have to be very aware of what you're eating and food we can over medicalize food or food becomes different for someone with diabetes as someone without someone without can just choose to eat something or not without giving it a second thought someone with diabetes has to think about their food and they have to think about it every time they're going to eat and they even have to think about it if they're not going to eat because you have to think oh if I don't eat now will I go hypo what what insulin have I got on board what exercise am I going to be doing what are my blood levels so thinking about eating is a quite a burden to be carrying I mean you know better than me because you yeah. have to live with it but it's quite a burden that you have in your life that if you have diabetes, you have to find your peace with that and accept mm -hmm. it. But for some people, it's very stressful and actually liberating themselves from that and just saying, I'm going to eat what I want, but I'm not going to get put on weight by not taking insulin. Mm -hmm. That can be some, their way of taking back control rather than feeling that the food is in control and the insulin is control and they have to do what the food and the insulin needs them to do. They say, actually, I'm going to do what I want to do. And that is to eat what I want. Um, so you've got the, the eating disorder side that comes from the weight and the looks and how losing weight makes you feel or makes that person feel. Um, and then you've also got the rebellion side from the diabetes. Yeah. Um, so diabolemia can come from burnout. So, you know, someone's just had enough of living with diabetes day in, day out, never getting a break. You never have the choice of whether you're doing it or not. You just have to. Um, and that can just be too much sometimes. And someone thinks, right, I'm just not going to do it anymore. I've had enough. I'm just going to pretend not pretend, but just carry on as though I don't yeah. have diabetes. Yeah. I eat what I like. I'm not going to take any jabs. I'm not going to do any of that. Um, and that's fine. I'll deal with the consequences at another point. So it can be diabetes burnout as well. Um, so there can be different, different reasons why people might have diabolemia. But the end result is that they're not taking any insulin or anywhere near enough insulin. So their blood glucose levels will run dangerously high. And then that's why, obviously, we're talking about it now because yeah. it's an important thing to address but it will be difficult to address it will be difficult because somebody who has diabolemia as i'm sure Gemma um would attest to someone with diabolemia has to reach the point where they're ready to admit to it mm -hmm. and to reach out for the help 
until then it was going to be very very hard um for them because they're doing what they think is right for them at that point in time i suppose it's i mean it's not an an easy option but it is if you're in that mindset and you're not thinking about oh you know the complications this is going to cause me later on it is a way like you said of you don't have to think about any of it anymore. You don't have to think about checking your blood. You know it's high. Like, you, you, what's the point in checking it? You don't have to think about whether you're going to exercise or, or, or what you're going to eat. So I suppose it's, a, it's people kind of trying to give themselves a break from diabetes. Yeah. Um, and also taking back control. Yeah. So it's having that break, um, but sometimes it's just people you can reach a state where you feel that the diabetes runs your life rather than you running your life or running your diabetes Mm -hmm. so it can be taking back that control and thinking well I can't control my diabetes so I will control what I eat and I'm going to choose to eat all the things I know I shouldn't eat I'm going to control control my insulin doses by not taking them Mm. which seems sort of counterintuitive but if that's the only control you feel you can have in your life at that point in time then it is one that people will grab onto just to yeah. feel like they've got some element of control over their own mm. life particularly if diabetes has been going a bit astray um, that can be a factor yeah oh yeah definitely and I did um, a post on Instagram the other day about you know hands up who else gets their ass kicked by diabetes some days and you just feel fed up and you know what that's okay because like everyone's like yep I do (laughs) and that's you know we all have days like that where and if I had a pound for every time I said I don't have time to be diabetic today (laughs) because some days that's what it feels like when it's not it's not cooperating it's not doing what you want to do it's when you do everything that you think is the right thing to do and then blood still end up squiffy and you think but i've done everything but I've, done, I've done what i meant to do yeah. or, or i did this the other day and it was perfect yeah. um so yeah it's it's easy to feel like oh i give up today but and i suppose mental, it's it's when that drags on yeah from a mental health perspective someone with diabetes has to build up more resilience than someone else mm. because you have to be resilient to every time you do that finger prick test you've got to not let it feel like a judgment and not feel like it's a bad thing if it's not what it should be you've got to build up a lot of compassion for yourself and a lot of kindness for yourself to be able to do a thing prick test and go well that's what it is am I going to do anything about it or not do make that decision and then move on and not carry that with you and if people haven't got that resilience and that um, ability to not judge themselves then a run of poor blood glucose levels or difficult appointments with healthcare professionals or whatever it is a run of that can really knock them back and leave them feeling like well there's there's no point to trying because it's not getting me anywhere so I might as well not bother so you do for people with diabetes it's known that uh, rates of depression are higher for people with diabetes than people who don't and diabetes burnout is now a recognized thing so yeah if you do have just oh they're ignoring their diabetes it's like there's a lot more behind it yeah so i think people with diabetes supporting their own mental health and building their own resilience and their own self-compassion is actually really important to protect against things like burnout or potentially diabolemia because it's that pressure 
that you feel as someone with diabetes as though people are judging you and watching you mm. and sometimes that person is you because yeah. you're doing yeah. you're doing you're looking at the result and judging yourself um, and sometimes it can be people like me some sometimes healthcare professionals can seem very judgmental um, or they may be very judgmental or they may just be perceived that way because of the previous experience um, and that cannot help so having open conversations um, can be really useful um, and feeling able to tell your healthcare professional how you're feeling mental mm. health wise and getting support elsewhere as well so counseling services mental health services that there may be some within diabetes services but you may have to go outside the diabetes services for mental health support um online groups yeah like diabetes and healthy. <laughs> <laughs> private services like yeah. diabetes coaches um there's loads available but i would say that we can over medicalize diabetes and we it can be all about the numbers it can yeah. be about how many grams of carb are you eating are you counting your carbs precisely what are your blood glucose levels what's your hbrc how many units of insulin it all becomes about numbers yeah. and actually you need a lot There's of resilience in there as well like yeah you need yeah. a lot of resilience and resource within yourself to be able to manage that on a day by day because those numbers are important they are yeah, <laughs> but if it becomes all about the numbers to the detriment of the person, and the person disappears behind the numbers, mm. then that's not going to be a good thing either. Yeah, it's interesting. I did a podcast um, with a lady called Nick Wood, who is a mind and body coach, and we were talking about mindset and the way we look at things. And I was saying that I I used to do exactly that. I used to look at my readings, and it would be a good number or a bad number, you know, mm -hmm. and and that is how it builds up. Like you said, if you have a day of, of what I'm looking at as bad numbers, then you, you feel like a, a, a bad diabetic, you know, and you really yeah. beat yourself up over those numbers. Whereas now I try to look at things really differently. And instead of going, you know, it's a good number or it's a bad number, it's a, oh, it's gone up there. Like, why has it done that? And then looking back and trying to work things out and changing it next time rather than just being like oh it's good it's bad it's you know mm. um, i've had people tell me that when they do their first blood glucose of the day that can determine whether they have a good day or a bad day oh, yeah it, it can set your sets mood the tone. You, you wake up and you've got a 6.7 and you're like oh awesome, you're like yeah i'm on fire today yeah. <laughs> and it just you know and it's having the resilience to be able to to deal with that when it's yeah. not the 6.7 so yeah. that you can still have a good day even if you woke up on a 22.6 or something yeah. like that you can just deal with that park it move on and have a great day yeah yeah and i think actually although the the libra sensor for me has been a real game changer um there was a bit of that to begin with because i could see what it had been doing through the night so sometimes even if i woke up with a good number i'd look and i'd be like oh god but that didn't come down till like two hours ago it had been high all night like i wouldn't have yeah. known that and it and it's a new thing you've got to get your head around that okay don't that's not negative like it's good that i know this information <laughs> um so yeah it is it's it's about how you look at it yeah but yeah, I totally, totally get the whole like, yeah, if you wake up on Monday morning with a, with a 5.2, it's a good, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's fair enough. Absolutely. It's, you know, it happens to everybody, doesn't it? When yeah. with things, so that's fine. It's like when, <laughs> when, you know, someone lets you out of the, the road as you're going to work, you're like, yes, this is a good morning. Yes. Whereas if you're sitting there for ages, and 
you know that's completely arbitrary but somehow <laughs> it does we sort of affix meaning to things don't we just yeah definitely. it's obviously a, it's obviously a human thing to do yeah but I, that I think that's probably a good point in relation to diabulimia is that if um someone has diabulimia and you're wanting to help them mm. it's understanding that it's not that they need to be told not to be diabolemic. It's understanding yeah. what the problem is that's driving it. Because if it is a lack of resilience or something like that, then they will need encouragement and support, not telling off yeah. and not sort of badgering to take their insulin or something like yeah. that. Because if for them, they take their insulin, they will still get a high number, which they will feel is a bad outcome. So it's there's no point in telling it so just telling someone to take their insulin won't necessarily help so um or saying to them do you not know your kidneys can fail do you not know you're going to go blind do you not know that's 99% chance they will they will know that yeah that's not that's not an issue then they're not got a lack of knowledge they're not unaware but they've got different priorities Mm. and a different perspective I guess if you're in that mindset you're kind of blinkered to that as Mm. well your, you know, yes, you, you, your consultants have probably told you that a thousand times. So you yeah. do know it, but that's, that's not your focus. Yeah. I mean, it, and it, it, everyone has different priorities. It's just some people, those priorities are more extreme. So if you think about um, people who've maybe got very far in their career, they have probably had to make sacrifices to get there. Pro sports people have to, you know, train every minute of the day and not see their families you know people who get very high up jobs they often don't get to see their families as much and all kinds of things like that they choose what to sacrifice and what their priority is so for someone with diabulimia it's not that they don't know what they're doing but for at that point in time their priority is not taking insulin and losing weight that that sacrifice is worth it yeah that's how they feel yeah yeah and unfortunately it's not until later that the price comes along um so they haven't got that immediate feedback although often with diabulimia with running blood glucose levels so high people will be very tired obviously they'll be thirsty going to the toilet a lot but again those are sacrifices that they're willing to make they're, yeah. they're fine and again, with that. something that um Gemma was really honest about um that her energy levels were so low that she'd be um she does nails and you know she does beauty therapy and she'd be trying to fit in naps between clients because that's you know that's how tired she was but it just becomes the norm yeah and you you build that in as part i mean if you think about it i mean i will hold my hand up i was one of them as well you ever had a hangover oh yes (laughs) you know you, once you've had one hangover, you know that if you drink again and you get a hangover, what that's going to feel like. But you will still do it again yeah. because you decide that at the point when you've got the drink in your hand, and you <laughs> know that, that, <laughs> yeah, you decide I will put up with the hangover because I want the drink right now. So again, for someone with diabulimia, it's not that they don't know that they're going to get those problems, mm. but they decide that that is worth it. Um, so to help somebody with diabulimia, they have to be ready to accept that what they're doing is 
probably disordered um, and they have to be willing to change so for supporting someone there's some great resources out there um, there's diabetes uk has got some information on their website um, there's a website called diabetics with eating disorders as well um, which has got some good stuff on it um, but yeah i would say it's just it's being supportive if you if you're watching this and you feel you may have diabulimia then just as a first step talk to someone find someone you feel comfortable talking to uh it could be a friend or a relative or if not arrange to see a counselor and just talk to someone about it and then see if you can get to yourself to a place where you feel ready to ask for some help with it and go for help to people who understand diabulimia um, from the nhs perspective you will probably have diabetes services and you will have mental health services and they may be separate so you may need to be asking for a setup where those two will work together. Um, and can you, you get those two resources kind of speaking to each other? Like if you say, say I went to my diabetes consultant and said, I, I think I'm suffering with this. Like I, I realize it's probably more of a, a mental health kind of issue is, you know, can, can they then help you to get the other support or it will depend really on, on where you live. The services okay. will be very different. So I know in some areas there actually are um, diabetes eating disorders teams. Oh, great. So okay. that, that already exists. Um, in some areas you may get the diabetes consultant, just to use your example there, that may be yeah. someone who's not really aware of diabulimia and has very little experience of it mm -hmm. and doesn't know the mental health team in their area. Um, you, so it, it will be very different. So just, yeah, talk to somebody, ask the questions. Um, if you don't get the response you want, talk to someone else. So if you tried the consultant in that example and they didn't get you set up with some help, try the diabetes nurse, the diabetes dietitian, your practice nurse. There'll be lots of different healthcare professionals. Um, but find someone who says, yes, I understand what diabulimia is. And yes, we'll set you up with some help it might take some time um but just keep asking questions and talking to people um yeah that's probably going to be your best route um it's probably worth us saying probably more for anyone who's listening or watching this who maybe isn't diabetic or they have a loved one that's diabetic i mean this if this could become extremely serious like if this leads to um, DKA, then this this can be fatal. You know, it's, it's not a oh, that you know, I'll, I'll kind of leave them to it because they're you know they're happy, they're losing weight. It's you know, at, at some point that person is going to have to. Yeah, the body can't function can't function without insulin. It can cope for a while. It can make do, um, but not in a good way. Um, and so, if it's left too long, then yes, the body. You, you get DKA, the body will become too acidic. It will not be able to keep functioning. So it is potentially lethal. Um, and DKA is one of the very common reasons why people with diabetes end up on intensive care. Um, so it's, it's a serious problem, definitely. And just if you people are watching this who think they may know someone with diabulimia, or maybe you're wondering if you might, some of the things to look out for is firstly, blood glucose levels running very high a lot of the time however someone with diabulimia may not be testing so you may not know mm. um and certainly tiredness. not in front of people <laughs> yeah the tiredness that you mentioned that Gemma suffered so very extreme tiredness um thirst 
going to the toilet a lot, losing weight, though yeah. <laughs> losing weight being one of the key things, but probably someone may not be happy with their weight, even if they've lost weight, they're still not happy with it. So they may talk about their weight quite a lot. They may talk about their weight negatively. They may try and hide their weight in baggy clothes so that people don't notice because they still don't feel that they're the right weight or they may be proud of their weight. They may be happy to show it off if they've reached the weight they wanted to. Um, but as with most eating disorders, there will be a lot of secrecy. So they will not let on probably what they're eating um, or that they're skipping their insulin doses. So they will probably still say that they're taking insulin, um, but you might not see it. So for example, if your partner used to um, leave the caps from their insulin needles um, on the sink and you think, well, I haven't seen any of those in a while and you say, well, you know, are you taking your insulin? And they say, yes. I wouldn't challenge that unless you feel comfortable to, because that's likely just to cause a conflict. And maybe keep an eye on other things, see if you pick up yeah. on, on anything else. Yeah, so just have a think, because like, they won't be taking their insulin, they probably won't be blood sugar testing, they'll probably be not attending their appointments at the hospital or the surgery, or they'll be attending them just enough to stop people thinking that there's a problem. Um, they will be quite happy to assure you that things are fine um but without actually the evidence behind that so if you say you know are you feeling all right did you take your blood glucose level what is your blood glucose level have you taken your insulin the answer will be yep yeah, yeah it's all fine it's yeah, all fine, fine. it's been really good <laughs> yeah. um and it's very difficult because you might want to argue against that but if you think about why someone has diabulimia trying to prove them wrong isn't going to help that's not going to solve the problem. So it's being, being understanding and asking how they feel rather than have you taken your insulin, watch your blood glucose levels yeah. and focusing on their body like it's a, um, a robot. And, you know, is this working? Is that working? Actually, how do they feel? Um, and there was a really good mental health campaign recently um, that said, ask twice. Because if you ask someone how they are, chances are they'll go, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. That's our standard response. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, love really? it if you see someone in the doctors. <laughs> you yeah. go, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm great. And you're like, yeah. neither of us is great because we're at the doctors. <laughs> so, yeah, so ask how they are. They'll probably say they're fine. And so you just say, no, really, how are you? Mm. And then give them the chance to respond. And even if you don't think they're fine, but they insist and say they're fine, you might need to wait a bit and revisit it and just keep letting them know that you're there that you support them that you understand them and that you're not judging them because like i said the first step for someone with diabulimia is to admit to themselves that they might have it and then to talk to someone about it so if you can be that person who's there for them to talk when they need to then that can be their first step towards getting help so yeah don't start counting people's needles and things like that yeah. because it's <clears throat> not going to go down well no that's not that's not likely to help you build a, a supportive relationship with yeah. them. you're more likely to just drive them into greater levels of secrecy because mm. people, we are very clever as human beings we are very clever and if i needed to hide something from someone and i knew that they were you know checking my insulin pens in the fridge i could pop a jab down the sink yeah you know yeah. Or put a, put a tissue in my pocket and inject into that instead. You know, you, you can find ways around it if you need to. Yeah. So looking for the physical signs in that way 
probably won't be that probably helpful. You will just be forcing them to be even more secretive, which will probably make them feel worse, which will probably then perpetuate the problem. Problem, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, com- coming from me, someone with type 1 diabetes, I think it's important to say that if anyone is is listening and does think, you know, I, I have got that or, or I think I've got, you know, that's kind of developing, that's the route they're going down. Like you're not failing as a diabetic. You're not, you know, if, if you're, if you're feeling bad about your diabetes control or you're, you're feeling bad because you, you know, you, you are running, maybe, maybe you've started, like you said, running high by accident and someone's noticed something and you've kind of carried it on. Like it's okay. Like it's diabetes is hard. It's hard work and it's hard work for everybody. And people will will understand if you talk to them and say that you're struggling or you've you know it, it might be a case that you come out with I you know I've done something really silly and I've, I've I've been running them high deliberately because I don't know what else to do or because I'm no good at being diabetic because I mean I for one I know there's days where I you feel like a bad diabetic I've said it before you have this this feeling that that you're no good at it and actually you're amazing at it because you're still alive and you've had, you know, uh, in my case, I've been doing it for 15 years and it just still no two days are the same, but you are allowed to have bad days and you're allowed to have bad stages where, where, you know, you're not feeling good about yourself or you're not feeling um, good about your, your diabetes. And if it's, it might be a case like I personally don't know that many people with type one, as in I've come into contact with loads of people with type one and through my work, I've met people with type one. Um, but as in, in my circle of friends, there's no one else with type one diabetes. Um, I meet so many people who don't know anyone else with yeah, it. Yeah, so, so things like, like whether it's, you know, the diabetic and healthy group or, or another online forum, like sometimes these are really nice places to go even if it's just to say, do you know what? I'm having a really crappy day. Like, you know, I'm feeling low. I don't, my blood sugar's all, all over the place. It's just nice for then someone to pipe up and be like, do you know what? Me too. Or, oh, I had a day like that last week. And just to have someone that understands. Like, so, I don't know. I suppose you, you could talk to friends and family and, and that's great. But if you really need someone that can go, I know what you feel. Like, it's okay. I think then that the groups and the forums or, or, you know, actual support groups um, when we're not in lockdown, (laughs) but you know, there's a place for those definitely. Absolutely. And it's just feeling, feeling, yeah, that you're not on your own and that someone can relate to you can make such a difference Mm. and make you feel like there, there is a way out of it. Cause if you, if you're in that situation, it can always change. it's never too late you can always change that situation Mm. and there is support out there depending on where you live that support will come in different guises and it might take a few asks but do persist and yeah use use support groups and people who understand there are plenty out there yeah i am going to be putting some um so we mentioned a couple of websites um also like the diabetes uk um helpline so again if you feel you need to you know or you want to talk to somebody with a diabetes background um or you know i can put some stuff in there that's general kind of mental health i'll make sure there's kind of numbers and links and and things like that on the website too oh that would be great yeah um any 
any last thoughts or tips or um, anything you want to add? I don't think so because I think the main points are to get it something that people are aware of and can yeah. recognize in themselves or in others and that is understood so that we can remove some of these layers of judgment mm. um, that come around it and so that if people do feel that they're in that situation and they have diabolemia that they can get help but also people are more understanding of how it can come about so that if they feel in that situation which may be the start of something which mm. could develop into diabolemia that they feel able to get the help and support sooner yeah yeah so that they can um feel better straight away rather mm. than it progressing into diabolemia mm. and then getting the help at a later date yeah and like you said i think awareness is such a big thing because the amount of people that i've spoken to before and if it comes up that i've i'm diabetic um the amount of people that say oh i knew you know, so-and-so or my, my brother's, um, you know, girlfriend's diabetic or, or whatever it is. And they're like, oh, but they're, they're terrible with theirs, you know? Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> like, how do you know they're Like, you know, and, and that could be a case of uh, actually they've witnessed a bit of burnout or they've, they've witnessed someone who's genuinely or, struggling. Or quite often they've just seen them eat a piece of cake and they don't <laughs> yeah. understand that that's not a problem. Yeah. So they're like, oh no, they're bad they eat like a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think awareness is, is definitely a big one. Well, hopefully this podcast yes. will help with that. that there. Yeah. Everybody share it. <laughs> well, thank you so much as always. It's been lovely talking to you and Pleasure. really nice to hear, um, you know, things from your side as a, as someone that's working, um, kind of in a, in a professional field with, with diabetics. It's, it's good to hear that side of it. You're very welcome, Charlotte. Lovely to see you. And you. Speak to you soon. Bye for now. Bye. I do hope everybody found that really interesting and helpful. If you believe that you or maybe somebody you know may be struggling with their diabetes or is in fact developing um, any form of, of eating disorder, I have put some helplines below this episode on our website. So these are people you can speak to who are really experienced with these kind of issues and situations and who you can talk to completely confidentially if you wish. So that does bring us to the end of another episode. Please remember to subscribe so that you never miss any future shows. And if you have enjoyed today's show, please also leave us a review. Thank you so much again for listening. And until next time, have a happy and healthy time. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a healthy and happy life continues. Head on over to diabeticandhealthy.com and join the conversation with other diabetics and their families. All the information in this episode is not designed to replace the advice from the health professional team looking after you and your diabetes. Before making any significant lifestyle changes, do consult them with your doctor. 